Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's HealingWaze.com. According to my guest, Natasha Nirvana, there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded healer who's not willing to do the work. And the work she's talking about is the healing work or healing journey. And I agree with her completely. And would even go as far as to say that it applies to all professions, not just those in the wellness industry. Unfortunately, there are a bunch of professionals, many in service fields, walking around with open psychological wounds bleeding all over people. Our unhealed trauma does affect other people professionally and personally. Yet another reason seeking healing is very important. I know you've heard me preach about talk therapy or counseling, but there are many different ways to receive healing. What works for me may not work for you. In my conversation with Natasha, we chat about familial mental illness and relationship trauma, both of which I am very familiar with. She shares what has worked for her and how the results of her seeking healing rather than avoidance has helped her manifest her soulmate, partner, and business. I kind of mentioned this when we were warming up, um, that I really do truly admire you, and I think what I see you as is like confident, successful. You're just like such a professional businesswoman. Um, And on top of that, you're a healer. And so it's like this awesome, just superstar um, qualities that I truly, that I see in you. And that's why you're part of the team. But what we're going to talk about today is more about you personally. And I feel like you've probably been through some hard stuff that's created this person that I see before me on my Zoom screen. Uh, so welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I, I think, like I said, this is going to be fun. Um, we probably are going to jump around a little bit, but stay as linear as possible. Um, but, you know, life isn't really linear. There's a timeline, but we bounce all over it, right? So um, first of all, <laughs> uh I, when we started kind of warming up, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Because Natasha, I do feel like you're a little mysterious as well. And in true mystery, you didn't give me lots of info. So <laughs> I'm going to like dig into that mystery. <laughs> awesome. Dig away. Um, so, yeah. So like I said before, I feel like you probably haven't always been all those wonderful, awesome, strong things that I see in you. Um, and I don't know why I just have a sense. Tell me, tell me about you before, (laughs) before you started your business. Yes, that's correct. I have not always been confident and super strong businesswoman healer, super confident in my capabilities as a healer. Um, I, my life before, starting my business and before being a healer is like, you know, typical high schooler because I kind of did, I did high school and then I did like my first year of college. And then, then it was kind of the dive into my life as a healer. Um, 
And so my life before that was like a typical high schooler, which was really like a lot of depression and low, low self-confidence. Um, I didn't fit in with the rest of the crowd at all. Um, and I found it really difficult to find spaces where I fit in with people. Mm. Um, and I didn't feel understood a lot. Um, and later on, I realized that I'm an empath and that's probably a big re- reason why I didn't feel like I fit in with other people. Um, yeah. And so I took that going into college and going into my healing journey uh, because I really see like myself becoming a healer as my own healing journey that I went on. Um, even though a big part of it is helping people, it's been more so about like healing myself and figuring my own stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of the process of me diving into healing work was diving into all the things that weren't right in my life and figuring out how to heal them. Um, yeah. And so then, I just want to stop you there for a minute. Like, yeah. Um, when you say weren't right, uh, I do know a little bit about your background cause you told me um, that you did grow up with some mental illness issues in your family and then, um, well, let's just start with that. What, what, what was that like? And do you think that led to some of those feelings you, you used to have? Yes. Um, it was like growing up, it wasn't obvious that like mental health issues were um, a big part of my growing up because it wasn't something that was talked about in my family and um and really wasn't ever addressed until after like me going into adulthood so probably the first few years of college is when it became really apparent that mental health was something that I was dealing with with my family through growing up um and so but that was one of the biggest things growing up was like we don't talk about these things um and how that really reflected in my own life um and my own mental health issues because I have my own mental health issues I've been diagnosed with anxiety and PTSD um and realizing that I even had anxiety and that I had PTSD was a huge realization. And then realizing as a kid, all the symptoms that I had that went unnoticed or Mm -hmm. unaddressed um, and were played off as things like having food poisoning almost once a week. Mm, Wow. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where for me, it was ulcers. Well, you might have an ulcer. Yeah. You know, when I was in sixth grade, I'm like, hmm, (laughs) I might just be storing a lot of bad feelings in my body. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I, as a kid, I had, like I said, I had food poisoning. I swear it was like almost once a week and I went into adulthood and I remember having a friend like go out to eat at a restaurant with like bad food and got food poisoning for like the first time in their life. And I was like, I was, I was shocked. I was like, 
what do you mean like you had food poisoning for the first time in your life i was like how come this is something like i was sick constantly wow yeah um and i realize now that it was all anxiety that i was dealing with mm-hmm. but then it was like we tried every thing in the book to try and figure out what it was and it was interesting because i come from a family that has a holistic background mm-hmm. so we tried nutrition things we tried supplements we tried all these things that were very um holistic nutrition based but the emotional aspect got left out completely mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was really what needed to be addressed yeah yeah i actually my experience was somewhat similar in that yeah i grew up with a mom who was all about um she did she did lead me in meditation often but that was the extent and she wasn't like super she was pretty open about her own mental illness and talked about it but didn't really address it with me but same like we did nutrition exercise you know all that outwardly stuff but we didn't really address me i mean that's because that's scary right (laughs) the other stuff is kind of surface stuff. Yeah. Um, so when did you start dealing with, and first of all, before we go on, do you want to talk, do you know, uh, or do you want to talk about what was maybe part of the cause of your PTSD? Like, was there one moment or just a cum- accumulation of several? Um, it wasn't necessarily one moment although there were defining moments that led up to the diagnosis of PTSD Um, we went through some pretty traumatic events in my family um, probably three or four years ago now and it was at that point that I decided to go to a traditional therapist Mm -hmm. and that was when I got the diagnosis. And was that the first time you had really started pursuing Mm -hmm. the emotional aspect? Well I wouldn't say the first time I started pursuing the emotional aspect because I had addressed a lot of that through energy work and energy mm-hmm. healing, but it was the first time I ever went to traditional therapy. Okay. Um, and the first time that I actually um, opened myself up to the, uh, I guess, kind of Western traditional therapy approach mm-hmm. to healing, mm-hmm. um, because that was what was actually really taboo in my family was oh. that traditional approach and traditional medicine was uh-huh. really um, like rejected by certain people in my family. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So did your parents work in the holistic alternative health field? They didn't. My um, grandmother did, and she had a really, really big effect on the family in the holistic field and holistic um, kind of beliefs and practices and that she passed down through sharing with my mother and my grandmother's still around. So she mm-hmm. was often turned to for advice. Um, and I picked up a lot of stuff from my mom. My dad is actually on the other spectrum where he'll be the first one to go to the doctor and the first one to like take pain medication <laughs> or get, you know, whatever his like doctor recommends 
he'll do. And he's like the opposite where he doesn't do holistic medicine. Okay. But because of my grandmother's influence and my mom's influence, that was what we as kids got raised with Mm -hmm. was more of that holistic influence. And my dad was kind of just doing his own thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so you were, by the time you were in high school, you had realized you, you didn't really fit in. You had all these like bad feelings. It sounds like in that, you know, you you already had developed anxiety. Um, Yeah. So was that part of the reason why you chose to go into the career you're in now? Yes and no. The career I'm in now started through massage therapy. And I think I've always, I've always known I wanted to help people. It was just a question of like, how was I going to do that? And so when I was in my first year of college, I was going to college to become a elementary school teacher um, was what I thought I wanted to do. And then um, I had this list of things that I wanted to do just for fun. And massage was one of them. And I found a school locally that offered single classes instead of having to sign up for a full program. And so I went and I did my first class and the end of the night, I was just on cloud nine. I was like so elated. I was like, okay, like, I know this is what I'm meant to do. And I'm going to shift and move into doing this, Mm -hmm. um, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. Um, And so that kind of started me on my journey. And through that, I discovered Reiki. Um, And when I discovered Reiki, my digestive issues were one of the first things to like really, really calm down. Mm-hmm. And so that is really what pushed me on my own healing journey then was the dramatic change that I saw through doing these practices for myself. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a big part of school is you practice on your other students and you practice on yourself. And yeah, so. Nice. So at that point, though, did you already know that you wanted to also be a business owner? Uh, Pretty early on into doing um, massage school, I figured out that I wanted to own my own business. I mean, I would talk about it um, with another student um, that I was really, really good friends with at the time. um, And we would be like planning out our future businesses Um, And I took roles when I graduated from school that put me in kind of a business owner type role. So like independent contractor jobs. Um, The first job I took as a massage therapist, which I think was a little um, too big of a step starting out right out of school, was um, with a chiropractor who wanted me to essentially like create their massage program At that point, I just didn't have enough experience to do that and ended up going somewhere else and working for somebody else for some time. That that speaks a lot to who you are, though. Think about that. Like, you have leader written all over you (laughs) to the point where you're like right out of massage school. Someone's like, can you develop a massage program for me? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm super driven as well. I, you know, that we, you and I have that in common. Um, but I think that would have been terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. you would have been like, this is so cool. Yeah, I can do it. And like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> I mean, one of the hardest things was being an independent contractor, which I really don't advocate for. I'm actually really against independent contractor relationships uh, because they think they're really manipulative. Um, but so one of the biggest challenges was not just like not having enough experience, but also like not being paid fairly for what I was being asked to do. Mm-hmm. I was being asked to do a lot of free work um, with the uh, story of, well, it's so you'll learn. So you're getting this great experience that I was like, I don't want to be doing like a free internship. I need to be making money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so was um, this, was that kind of the catalyst to you deciding you're just going to do it? I mean, or was there one defining moment, like one last job you had or something that just kind of pushed you over the edge? No. So that wasn't, like I said, I, after that, then I went to go work for other people mm-hmm. and I, was at a another chiropractor for a few years. And during my time that I was working for them, they went through a change of ownership. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of like massage therapists are really familiar with this. So it's like the story of like five minute changeovers and yes. hopping from client to client and um, things like that. And um really like we're cursing you, but also the client's not getting like to build relationships with the people mm-hmm. that they're working with. And so when they went through this changeover, the new chiropractors that took over were new to running a business and they started to look to some of us more senior massage therapists for guidance on how to make changes to the business, especially in relation to the massage program. Um, but then they didn't want to implement a lot of those changes mm-hmm. and they didn't want to promote anybody to head it. They wanted to get the advice from us and then they would implement it, what sounded good to them, but everything was all about making money. And so I said, screw this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go do this for myself where I can make three to four times what they're paying me. Yeah. Um, and control your schedule. And control and my schedule. Yeah. Have really good relationships with your clients and, and really treat my clients the way that like I felt that they deserve to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, that was the time you just, you'd finally decided you're going to, yes. you're going to make that step. Now I want to tie this into how you were feeling at the time. Cause I, this sounds like it was before you started therapy before mm-hmm. you got your diagnosis Yeah, um, and no judgment whatsoever, because we all do, we all are walking around. So many of us are walking around with all of these undiagnosed issues, whether physical, me- mentally, spiritually, and we can still function and run businesses and be helpers to other people. How are you? Fe- how are you feeling outside of your business at that time? When I started my business, um, I think when I started my business, things were 
pretty good at that time. Mm -hmm. But it was when I started my business was shortly before things began to crumble. It was like I started my business and then things in my life began to crumble, like almost right after starting my business. (laughs) Um, So I was really young when I started my business. Um, I think it was like eight years ago now. So I was only like 20, 21 at the time. Okay. I think, um, and I was in a relationship at the time that I thought was the love of my life. I thought he was my twin flame. Um, if anybody knows what that is, it's essentially like supposed to be like the other half of your soul. Yeah. Um, this person had at one point um, saved my life and the life of other people um, because I had we were on a trip home from Disneyland and I was the only one driving and I had fallen asleep wheel, and he caught the wheel and like, we just were all safe. Find the car, like no damage. We didn't hit anybody. Like it was like the best case scenario. I thought this person was like meant and designed to be in my life because they had saved my life and the life of like my sister and the other people in the car at the time. And so I had all these stories about like just really grandiosing this person. Yeah, your hero. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and boy, was I wrong. Um, I also was um, at the time really. Um, is influenced by a lot of like the belief systems that I had grown up with about mm-hmm. um, marriage and what you're supposed to do when you love somebody like that. Um, and so I pushed us into getting married really young. And I think we got married shortly before I started my business or maybe shortly after mm-hmm. um, like the two kind of coincide with timelines Um, And then two weeks after we got married, I found out that this person that I loved so much was cheating on me with other women and um, then developed a drug addiction. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I stayed in this relationship for another two years trying to fix it. Yeah. Um, And so that all fell apart. Um, and like I said, this person also had a drug addiction. And so that drug addiction brought in a lot of financial hardship into the relationship where I was the one now like fighting for and supporting this relationship, not just emotionally, but also like financially. Um, and I had just started my business. So that was extremely challenging because it was like, I'm full-time in my business. I made this choice. And now I have to fully financially support not just my business, but also paying rent for two people to live in a one bedroom apartment mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, which is not affordable. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the meanwhile, not telling anybody about it. You weren't um, telling anybody. Time. Yes. So nobody knew I was. All this inside. Yes. And starting a business, growing a business. Yep. People knew I was growing my business, but nobody knew I was married because we had done it in secret with the Uh intention of getting married later. Nobody knew that this person was 
cheating on me. Nobody knew this person had a drug addiction. And nobody knew this person was, like, psychologically and emotionally abusing me. Um, and so I just fought on and fought on and fought on. Um, and really, my business became my escape at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was the only thing in my life that I could control. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't have to, it put on this face where I didn't have to tell people that there was anything wrong going on because there was mm-hmm. so much shame around what, what I felt I had done um, through getting married to somebody and then being in this relationship that wasn't at all what a marriage was supposed to be. But I felt like because of the belief systems I had at the time, that it was my responsibility to fight through that and make it work and stick with this person through life because that's what I had chosen. Um, Yeah. I mean, which so many people have that drilled into them and no wonder why there's so many people walking around in miserable marriages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you had, so you had the belief system that you still at this point were like, I'm just going to work on it, stick it out. In the, mm-hmm. I mean, in the meantime, you're shoving all this stuff inside and not yeah. sharing it with people. Um, how was your digestion then? <laughs> well, you were you were doing Reiki, so you you yes, had- it was weird because yeah. I was at the same time doing Reiki, so yeah. I was I was like dealing with just enough of it that like. Like, I could manage. I could show up in life like everything was okay. It didn't hit me until after things ended where everything crashed in because I was trying so hard to be strong Mm -hmm. through the whole time that it wasn't until I let myself be weak and vulnerable that it was finally, like, I let myself, like, fall apart and go through. And then the digestion didn't come back because at that point I knew what I had to do. And what I had to do was deal with all the emotions and all the emotional pain that had been caused by that and by everything else that Mm -hmm. had happened in my past. Yeah. So who initiated the divorce? I did. Um, (laughs) What was the, what was the final straw? What made you actually do it? Um, So the drug addiction got worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And the whole time there was cheating, if not physical cheating, emotional cheating, um, kind of started to happen on both parts because they being somebody that was like, I I needed that like emotional um, help. And so like, for my part, it was like seeking out people that I could just talk to and like get support from. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, the drug addiction got so bad. Um, we had moved back in with our parents. We were living separately, but there was still this idea that we were going to work on it and change it. And I was over at his house one time with his parents, and I remember his mom sat me down, and she had a conversation with me, and she said essentially like you need to make this better this is your responsibility like you need to do the work to make it better and it was in that conversation that I went oh hell no yeah (laughs) because I was like in that conversation I was like 
why are you talking to me about this? Like, can you not see that he's the problem? Like that he's the one that needs to choose to change that there's nothing that I can do. Like I've done, I was at that point where like she sat down with me and I was like, I've literally done everything that I can at this point. And there's nothing more that I could possibly do to fix this or change this person. Um, And so it was finally like me letting go of like, I can't fix you. I can't make you better. Like there's nothing I can do anymore. And I just have to let it go and let you go and focus on my own healing because I had lost all of who I was to that person. Um, I had lived for that person and for my business and done zero living for me. And I didn't know who I was anymore. Um, Was it, so is it that conversation with his mom that kind of, it sounds like that was a real pivotal conversation. Yeah, that was super pivotal. Divine timing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That. And the other thing that was super pivotal was I um, picked up a book um, by an author. His name is HD Tudor. Um, and he has a whole series of books on narcissists Mm. and, um, he's a narcissist. So it's a book about narcissists written by a narcissist. And like I said, he's got probably like 50 of these books. Um, (laughs) and so I picked up that book and I I don't remember exactly which title it was because a lot of them are like very similar in what they say, but, um, I read it and like flipping each page, I was like, Oh my God, this person does that. Oh my God, this person does that. Oh my God, this person does that. And I was like, read every single page. And I was like, uh, okay. Apparently I'm dating a narcissist (laughs) (laughs) or I'm married to a narcissist, like full on every single page was like of, you know, whatever, hundred pages. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, okay. Wow. Something needs to change. And that was very much the point that this person had in the book was like, if you're with a narcissist, like you cannot change that they're a narcissist. Like, no. And so like the best thing you can do is zero contact. Like you need to cut off all communication. And that was what I had to do with that person because after a divorce, that person kept coming back into my life and trying to manipulate me. Um, the last time that finally broke the straw that I was like, this is done. Um, they were in AA or NA and they go through the 12 steps and they have to apologize. And he used that apology as a way to manipulate me and try and get me back into his life. Oh yeah. And it was that time that was, maybe only two years ago now that I was like zero contact. I'm blocking you on everything. Phone number also shows like, just like I'm giving you no way to access me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will still to this day notice times where he's tried to find some way to access me through a friend or through things like that. And mm-hmm. so like for me, I have peace of mind because he can't contact me directly, but that is something that people like that will do is they'll mm-hmm. constantly try and get you back into their life in some yeah. way. And so you, you sought um, therapy, traditional, you want to get mm-hmm. you were taught. 
Yes. Good for you. <laughs> um, and one of the things that you had said, um, how all of this had had changed you or transformed you is that you um, really learned to be more authentic mm-hmm. and to not define yourself through other people, which you said you were doing yeah. with in that relationship and probably in other relationships. Um, so I'm sure that therapy has helped in that. Uh, what are some of the other ways that going to therapy has really helped you again to be this awesome, strong, powerful business woman? Yeah. Therapy really helped me. Like I said, my family um, has dealt with mental illness. It's um, multiple family members have some kind of diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, some more extreme than others. And so when I started going to therapy, it was after a really defining, really traumatic event in my family um, that was a crisis situation and um so that was what pushed me into therapy because we started having to talk to western medicine about what was going on in my family mm-hmm. um so i at that time started going to therapy and it really helped me a lot with like learning a lot about mental illness and learning a lot about um, how mental illness affects family members and um, people with mental illness and having a lot more empathy for people with mental illness. Um, And it was really nice to just have somebody to talk to once a month (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, who had no bias about my life. Yeah. And I, it was really helpful. Um, I, it was also like, didn't get as much as out of it as I think I could have. Um, because I had Kaiser and Kaiser only allows you to go once a month. Mm-hmm. And a lot of therapists, um, will say this. And I agree that if you really want to get real results from therapy, that you need to be going once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really did like, finally see the value in it and like why someone would need to do that also by the time I started going to therapy I had done a lot of work through my healing work that I was doing through working with other healers um that I worked with my therapist for about a year before my therapist like basically released me and told me that I didn't need therapy anymore because I knew how to do all the things she would tell me to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but I really, really saw the value in it and like how, like it really should come alongside other healing modalities that you're doing, especially if you've been through heavy, heavy amounts of trauma. Um, And I, what I wished is that I had discovered it sooner. I wish my parents put me in therapy when I was like five years old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, coming from somebody whose parents put her in therapy when she was like 11, (laughs) I I didn't think that at 11. I'll just tell you that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Made me very angry. (laughs) I was, I was not, it was not something I did willingly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, but, you know, better late than never. And I mean, you're still so young that trust me, Earl, you got more therapy in your future, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure as well. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, nothing, you know, I'm not saying that about what you, you know, just anything about your personality, but I think therapy is something we all need throughout our lives. Just, yeah. you know, circumstantial or things come up. Just when you think, you know this, just when you mm-hmm. think all the healing's done, it's never done. Right. And, really right. And when mental illness, ha- like, is something that exists in your family, it, crisis situations can happen literally at any time. You never know when a crisis situation is going to come. You kind of do because sometimes there's some warning signs leading up to a crisis situation, but every crisis situation I've experienced with my family has really felt really, really sudden and really like everything just blew up all at once. And so then that takes months and months and months of recovery and it's even more difficult for the person actually dealing with the mental illness they'll just never be the same again um and as a family member of someone with that that's a struggle because all you want to do is be able to help them and be able to like take it away for them and especially as an empath (laughs) like um and that's something that i found going to therapy was really important to do to like help me talk about wanting to help and also accept that like there's nothing that I can do except for like pray and hope for this person that they find their way to their own healing. And is, so is that how you now cope when those crisis situations come up? Do you feel like you now have those tools to just, you know, send them, send them love, pray for them, (laughs) all the things. Yeah. But know that you can't do it for them and, Right. Yeah. And really like a big thing on my end as well was acceptance of what you have to do as a family member with another family member in a crisis situation, Mm -hmm. because things like having to check a family member into the hospital Mm -hmm. don't feel good to do, but really has like helped me accept that that is like the best thing that you know how to do at the time for that person, even if they don't feel like it's the best thing for them. And even if it's not the best thing for them, I'm not a mental health trained professional. So like, there's only so much you can do. And sometimes that's the best decision you can make. And so this really helped me in accepting decisions like that, that I've had to make. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure all of this healing and this knowledge that you've gained um, has made you a better practitioner to help other people. Yeah. Now under, you can see it from their perspective. Um, You can refer out to therapists when people need it. And you can be that help on the energetic healing side for people that Mm -hmm. are in therapy. So yeah, beautiful. Yes. And so how, so um, how, yeah, how's business these days? How are you feeling about your life? And I'm just going to (laughs) say you're engaged. So you've obviously done um, some relationship healing and, and uh, you found your, your true twin flame. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't know that I'd call him that. Um, I have, I have a lot of hangups about Twin Flames um, because of feeling like I had found mine. Uh-huh. And um, 
my biggest hang up with it is it creates this attraction for like abusive relationships because mm-hmm. there's this dynamic that says that you um but like have this push pull with each other um which i actually don't have at all in my relationship now um my relationship now is safe i definitely feel like he's a soulmate but it's safe and secure and that's really important to me because it supports what i want going forward with like my goals in my life of having a family and things like that and that's i think where my vision of relationships has shifted as like yes it's romantic yes we love each other and it can also serve this purpose it's not just about finding this like love that is all outside of yourself because really it was finding the love within myself so that like I can just be with somebody who also loves themselves and then we can just love each other so um that is more what it's about for me now and feels much better than this like idealistic story of love. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think especially when you're looking for some kind of, like you said before, when you're looking outside yourself to find things from other people, you are more likely to get wrapped up in that super huge romantic fairy tale scenario Mm -hmm. and, and that twin flame ideology i mean that sounds beautiful and fun and awesome but when when you find that person that you have all those feelings with the trust the security the safe that's that's where like the real like that's the good stuff <laughs> yes yeah and the other thing is we grow together as grow well together. so there's also yeah. that aspect that was really important to me mm-hmm. um and finding a partner is I wanted somebody I could grow with because I don't want safe and boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want safe and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I have. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, you've, you've done, some, you've done the work to get you to this point where now you are in a healthy relationship. You know, some people, um, unfortunately you go through something like you did and then you just feel like maybe you can never have that with someone else or, you know, especially like you said, when you get that twin flames idea in your head and you're like, well, how can that happen again? Right. Um, yes. And, and it can, and you're proof that it can. Do yeah. you guys have not like a wedding date? I haven't heard or seen anything about that. No, we're going to look at venues this weekend. Oh, excited. I'm excited. Me, my first time ever looking at venues. <laughs> so it's exciting that even though I've done the marriage thing before, there's a lot of aspects of it that I missed out on because of how it was. Yeah. But now it's like, now it feels like I'm doing it for the first time, even though it's not. And that's yeah. really a neat thing. Um I get to experience all these things for the first time, even though it's some of it's not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but that, none of that really matters at all. Yep. You know, this is, yeah. this is a new relationship. You're a new person. You're not the same Natasha. You were in that other relationship yep. anyway. And so, yeah, yeah. Just, I don't know that person. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, So you said, how long ago did you get a divorce? How long have you been divorced? Mm, 
least five years. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. You give yourself plenty of time. Well, good for you. Mm -hmm. You are very inspirational in so many ways. Thank you. (laughs) I have, I have a, I have a big kind of big question for you. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um, well, first of all, you mentioned a book that you really liked. What was the name of the author for the narcissistic book series? It's HD, so the letter H, the letter D, okay. Tudor, okay. T-U-D-O-R. Is there anyone or anything that's, all, that's really inspired you beyond that, like a mentor or something that you can think of or someone... I've had a lot of mentors along the way. Um, I, I honestly never stick with one mentor for a long time. <laughs> I mean, you, um, take it, you take what is relevant and then. Yeah, and you move on to the next person. But, yeah. Um, and I, I, so I don't know that I have a mentor, but I do have people that have helped me tremendously along my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those people is Shannon. Um, she's a intuitive body worker and massage therapist, and she does work with women. Um, she does what she calls me too sessions and they're oh, for uh, healing. Shannon Hernandez. Um, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Met her. Um, yeah. And those sessions are all focused on healing um, trauma that you've been through in relation to sexual abuse, um, really like the abuse that we receive as women from men um, in relationships. Um, And those were tremendously helpful for me um, in overcoming my last my ex-husband's marriage and then also some of the trauma that I went through as a child as well. Um, So I have like these healers that I've met along the way have been like really, really helpful in my healing journey. Um, Well, yeah, you know, that is one of the perks definitely of being in that industry as you are constantly surrounded by, um, people that can help (laughs) that have the tools to help vice versa. Um, And, you know, it's interesting and not surprising at all that so many of us that end up in a healing modality profession have gone through some sort of big trauma or long period of it. Um, I don't know. It it spurs sparks something in us Mm -hmm. who want to help other people not feel like that. (laughs) Or to help them. Yes. (laughs) You're like, once you realize also that you, even if you haven't completed or even near, you know, the healing journey, I guess it's never complete, but even if you haven't even started your own true healing journey yet, I think there's still this sense like, but I want to help other people never experience this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say like, too, it's one of the biggest things that I preach in like teaching other people to be healers and teaching other people to run their business Mm -hmm. is that you have to focus on healing yourself first. Yes. And healing yourself is also essential to healing your business. Um, Because like you, like I also said, like I threw myself into my business as a distraction because I could control it, but it really wasn't healthy. And as a result, my business wasn't really healthy. Yeah. Um, And 
doing all the healing work, not only is my relationship healthier than it's ever been, my business is healthier than it's ever been. Um, so those that healing yourself like aspect always comes first in having success in any area of your life. Um, mm-hmm. It's really how I feel. And so I, I really preach that to people that I'm teaching or guiding or coaching that that's where we start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes for anything in life. Honestly, like even if you're not self-employed and you're not a business owner, you can't be the best employee. <laughs> you can't be the best manager. You can't be the, you know, the best, um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't think of what, of another title, but, uh, the best mom. The best the mom. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. See, I forget that it's right in front of my face. Like <laughs> I just need to look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> but you really can't unless you heal yourself first. Yeah. You have to, you have to. And yeah. unfortunately so many, there's so many wounded unhealing people that, you know, they aren't seeking it yet walking around right. in the world and they're lead, Some of them are leaders and uh, right. There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded healer healing other healers yes. who's not willing to do the work. Oh my We're God. all wounded. We're all <laughs> wounded healers. Yes. But the difference is the ones that are doing their healing work and the ones that aren't. Yeah. And they, stay as far away from the people that aren't as you can. <laughs> yes. And so I guess, you know, that brings up a good point. Personally, I would say then if you're someone seeking some kind of healing work and you're just getting any kind, you're getting feelings, that's your intuition. You know, a lot of times, you know, that, that the gut feeling that, huh, this person might be like putting their unhealed energy on me. You can feel it sometimes. I mean, yeah. or sometimes it's very obvious. I once got a massage where I got to listen to the massage therapist tell me all about her divorce yes. <laughs> in the middle yeah. of my massage. <laughs> and it's not just it's not just healers. It's yeah. it's coaches as well, life coaches yeah. and business coaches. Because, like I said, your business your healing is essential for your business as well. So really toxic coaching practices, really toxic business coaching practices Mm -hmm. also come from an inhaled person. Um, I recently had somebody reach out to me who was another business coach. I had like responded to one of their um, like Instagram story surveys that they asked if um, you're ready to make $10,000 in three months. And I said, no, because I hate that kind of marketing. Um, And the person sent me a private message and said, I noticed you said no to my survey. Ha, ha, ha. Do you just not like money? And I was like, "Uh, wow, that's rude. I was like, I know it hurts to have people not be on your page. (laughs) But like, I just don't like marketing like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I've known people that have done that. I've had experiences with coaches like that. And that is also comes from an unhealed space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to be aware with anybody you work with yeah. and anything, um, but especially anybody that's trying to help you with anything. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. That's a really good point. And, and important for, 
you know, people to realize and um, just, yeah, if you're working with anybody and something just doesn't feel off, I mean, a lot of times you can feel it. You don't have to be an empath to feel that kind of stuff either. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can feel it. If it doesn't feel good, you know, let's talk about, I'm not going to go into deep detail about it, but yeah, back to like the business coach or marketing practices. And if it feels gross, it usually is. And like you said, (laughs) It comes from an unhealed place. Um, Yes. yes, And we don't have to do anything that feels gross. No. No. Why? Don't understand. Just, yeah. I think gross energy doesn't bring success. I was watching a video recently, um, and they were talking about the energy of neediness and Mm -hmm. needing that relationship or needing the next client or needing money, whatever that is that you're feeling in this neediness space. And this person asked, do you really want to be rewarded for being in that energy? Mm. Like, do you really want to get that client that you're feeling like, I need you, I need you, I need you. Do you really want to be rewarded for that? Because that perpetuates you staying in that energy if you get rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. And that was like an aha moment for me of like, yes, you're right. No, I do not want to be rewarded. And anytime I find myself in that energy now, I ask myself that, okay, I'm feeling like I need a client to book. Do I really want to get rewarded for being this energy? No. Okay, so what am I going to do differently? And then it's helped me so much to quickly shift out of being in that energy is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want to get this while I'm hanging out here. So I better go hang out somewhere else. <laughs> nice. And you've gotten that realization through all the work you've done on yourself. Yeah. So kudos. Um, so before we go, what, what's next for you? Marriage eventually. Yes. And then um, business. What, what kind of impact do you want to make over the next few years in the, in the world? It's a good question. Um, (laughs) It's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big question. What I've been thinking about a lot lately is like where I want to, like I did like a, at the beginning of 2021, I did like a, where do I want to see myself 20 years from now? Mm -hmm. And I've never looked that far in the future um before but when i did i want to be leaving behind where i'm working with people who can leave behind the like same kind of thing that i'm doing now so that's really what i see is like next for me is helping other people do what i'm doing now because that's what i feel is like the next step it's like i've been there I've done that. Now it's time to like spread this even further. Hope you enjoyed learning more about Natasha's personal story and are inspired to discover your own soul's purpose and live authentically by sharing your unique energy and gifts with the world. Natasha Nirvana is a Reiki master teacher and also a spiritual business coach here to guide you on your spiritual and healing journey. She uses her signature Trinity method for helping others to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Learn how Natasha's work may be able to help you at natashanirvana.com. And you'll find more ways to contact Natasha in the show notes of this episode. 
Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. If you have your own inspiring story that you would like to share, please go to my Instagram account at the Dragonfly Mama. Send me a direct message and we will set it up to chat. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and we'll be back with a new episode next Wednesday. Take care.